Steven, welcome to my podcast. I'm so honored, honestly, to talk to you. I feel like emotional almost that you're here. Just <laughs> think about your works almost daily within my life of what's the resistance I'm going to face today when I'm setting goals and when I'm motivating people to set goals. I always talk about this concept of resistance. One of my favorite teachers has a whole podcast about um, the lessons learned from Stephen Pressfield. So uh, I'm, I'm well, it's great to be here, Carly. Thanks for, thanks for having me. I'm really honored. Um, and I, well, first of all, I didn't know you had this whole other genre. You just sent me this new book and I just finished it. And, um, I'm really interested in the warrior's journey that you talk about and the artist's journey. And, um, you know, when you become a mom, you have, such you you develop such skills through childbirth and through you know the recovery process and everything and then I see a lot of moms lose a little bit of their um I don't know like vigor for life because motherhood is so relentless and amazing uh -huh. right but it's also very crushing sometimes and it's hard to not get lost in that and then you know when you all when your kids grow up and they're out of the house and you're your work as the warrior mother is done, then what, <laughs> right? Then what, what do you have and what's the next step of your progression? And, and so I'd love to get um, the insights about the resistance that comes through motherhood and through setting goals through motherhood. And um, I, I'm just so curious to pick your brain about, about the mother's journey, I guess we could call it. Well, you know, I, I haven't even really thought about this, Carly, so it's going to be all totally off the top of my head. But I, but I do know that, like, sometimes when, um, when I um, try to set myself up as a writer and try to motivate myself as a writer to face the daily stuff, I, I, I usually, I think of, like, the warrior type of virtues that, that people have, you know, courage, uh, patience, uh, the uh, willing embrace of adversity and stuff like that. But another paradigm that I that really helps me is to think of myself as a mother, because I think in many ways, a mom, I mean, who is braver than a mom? A mother will do anything for a child, right? And in many ways, it's, it's uh, uh, the artist's journey is just sort of a parallel to the journey of a mother, because the artist is giving birth to to a book or something or whatever, a movie or something like that. I mean, this is the one way that men can do what you women can do, you know? We can conceive of some kind of an idea or some kind of project, and then we really sort of become pregnant with it. And, and it takes a long period of gestation. And during that time, basically, we are at the service of this thing that's growing inside of us, you know? And we, we put our own personal stuff, you know, completely aside and live to sort of, and at the same time, and tell me if I'm wrong here, this feeling that you have as a mom is that this new life is growing within you, but it's not you, you know, it's its own soul coming into the world and coming with its own personality and its own aspirations, its own destiny. And you're just at, at the service of this new soul. Then once your baby's born, and the, then it really begins, you know, then you've got this whole long thing. And then they're pretty soon they're ungrateful. And the next thing you know, they're teenagers. And the next thing you know, they're gone. 
but I certainly feel like uh, the the artist's journey is very similar to the mother's journey. Never having been a mother, obviously myself, but that's that's kind of what I relate to it. And I I, I say to myself, if I can if I can embody the virtues that a mother has to do, then I'm I'm going to be a very strong artist, you know, because you know a mother will run into a burning building to save her child, right, or pick up a Buick with her bare hands, you know. Uh, so anyway, that's that's uh, that's my thought on that. Yeah, I see a lot of skills get developed, um, like our most amazing skills are developed when we have children, right? We like learn this grit. We learn so many lessons that if we apply them to the artist journey into like next phases of our lives, we can show up as warriors and um and execute on things in a way that we couldn't before we had kids do you know what I mean and yeah so, yeah and so for me I'm I I don't know what it is I, I don't know if it's my muse as you call it in turning pro there is something inside of me that says you have to there there's more and you can do it all you can like be be a great mom even though my inner voice seems to tell me a lot of times that I'm doing a really bad job and I'm doing <laughs> that voice all day right but there's it's it seems to to yearn for more than just the relenting tasks of motherhood which wow. I love don't get me wrong I I love it but there it's a thankless job right and it doesn't seem as fulfilling sometimes as we would hope so, so are you talking about something artistic, something creative, Carly? That yeah, I just, I create, you know, programs to help people with uh -huh. their informations. And it's sometimes I'm like, why am I doing this? Because of all of the resistance that I feel. And then also asking women to embark down a path <laughs> where they are going to encounter resistance, right? We're like already, already doing that. But there's something inside of me that's like, there's this foundation set when you have kids that you can actually harness and use to create and to become a different version of yourself that's so magnificent that women know on from, you know, in a tangible metabolized level, if you will. Well, let me ask you, like, what are the specific sort of gifts or grit things that you develop as a mom? Well, I mean, I never thought that I could dig as deep as I have, you know, in the middle of the night, you get up and you miraculously, I'll start crying about it. I just think moms are, it's so hard, right? And you muster up the courage to get out of bed and, and nurse these beautiful children. Like, <laughs> and you're trying, you know, you do all of these really, really, really hard things and you like show up again and again and again, again, selflessly with like magnificent, um, you know, love, which is a miracle in and of itself. And then we, I feel like a lot of times we don't, pursue an artist's journey after that even though we learned these amazing skills uh -huh. of like getting you know we we're like strong we can do hard things we have this foundation of like I can do hard things and I show up again and again and again and again yeah do you think sometimes that mothers are sort of brainwashed to feel like this is really this is your only um calling here and once you've used that up there's nothing left of you yes <laughs> Uh -huh. it's it's uh I see a lot of um depression and anxiety within uh -huh. motherhood, right and so you know we're trying to do the best that we can but we're plagued with 
self-doubt and all of these, um, you know, the, the inner resistance of just motherhood uh -huh. and then also not having anything to feel like we're progressing from the level of the soul, I would say. Um, like there has to be something where you feel like you're still you instead of- Ah, uh, yes, 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 yeah. Uh -huh. See, so many moms just get so depressed and turn to anesthetizing with food or whatever. And they're just miserable because they don't, they don't have that like vigor for life anymore. And they love their children. It's not even about their children. Uh -huh. Like losing yourself in the process is something that I'm trying to maybe fight, right? Uh -huh. like, so, but I feel so much resistance doing it too. So interesting. What was the initial, what was the initial impetus for you, Carly, when you sort of decided that you wanted to, you know, to, to, uh, to inspire moms to embrace a, a broader journey? Was there some moment for you where you said, I, I got to do this? So, well, after, you know, my first baby, it was like, my plan was always get married, this beautiful guy, and then have kids and then just like, you know, do that. And right. once I found myself there, I, I found myself very like happy as a mom, but then when my kids would go to sleep, kind of missing something, right? Uh -huh. and I found um, working out and just like giving my brain something to accomplish, giving my brain something to um, work towards and, and progress. And especially when you see, you know, he was in law school and he was like developing himself and I was changing poopy diapers and seemed like it was never enough for a uh, month yeah, of, yeah. Of, of like what a mother should be. And I was always failing and stuff. And so it was like the need for something tangible in your life to make you feel like you're still progressing and you're still you and you're a mom. Do you know what I mean? Not yeah, that yeah. my kids are my only thing because they're going to eventually outgrow me. And then what? Right. Yes. And so when I, when I got <laughs> a, a transformation, I'm like, Oh my gosh, like I'm so much happier. I feel so invigorated by life. And I, I feel like because of the skills I learned through childbirth and motherhood and everything and then being able to set goals and execute those goals as well. Like I'm totally untouchable on a, and, and because I have this, like, I want to show my kids what's possible inside uh -huh. of me. Like, I feel like I'm untouchable now because I, I, I chose to, to execute while in the process of motherhood on uh -huh. my artist's journey. But sometimes I don't know why I do it. I'm like, why uh -huh. am I doing this? It's so hard. Right. But there's something inside of me. I can't, I just know what it feels like to not have anything and over and over and over and over again, being really sad at night. Right. And just kind of lifeless in a way. Ah. You know, I can think of just as this is probably a really bad, lame parallel in my <laughs> own life, but I know when I used to actually work at a real job, like I used to work in advertising in, in New York City, a part of, and, and I'm just going to compare this to motherhood, if you'll forgive me. But I would come home at the end of a day and I was so depressed, mm -hmm. you know, and I thought to myself, is this all I'm doing? You know, is this what my whole life? And I would just have to sit down at the typewriter and try to write anything, you know, a story or whatever, even if it was lousy and nobody was ever going to see it. Just, just like you're saying, Carly, just to sort of remind myself that I still existed and I wasn't just this one thing that I, that I had, you know, sold out for money for just to survive. Right. 
how have you found how have you found I, I think that happens a lot um and you know we're we're from a pretty religious background and you know mormonism helps us saves us from a lot of vices that a lot of people use to anesthetize yeah the, the uh -huh. quiet the resistance that you feel in your life but it also shepherds you in a very direct way to motherhood and motherhood is the path and that's kind of the paradigm that's the pinnacle of of what you're supposed to be doing and i think a lot of people in carly's audience get there and they there's a lot of guilt associated with even having the desire to do more than than ah. being a mother and finding how have you how have you seen people kind of find the initial outlet like you did with a typewriter you know that was the one way that you could start taking resistance and finding a battlefield that you could go head to head with and at least start moving the needle a little bit <laughs> um how how do you think as as someone uh you know where does someone look to find find that initial first battlefield of just let me put my energy into something yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I mean, in a way, what we're talking about is is finding our calling, in a right. sense, right? I mean, I know within the Mormon community, motherhood is really highly prized, right? And like, that's the, the this is your ultimate goal to bring babies and to help the community, right? But unfortunately, and I don't want to say anything against the church, but our souls are, you know, are greater than that, you know, I think. And I, I think a lot of times, when you sort of, if you're sitting there and you're feeling depressed and you think, well, what is my, what should I do? What is my calling? What is the, what is it that I was born to do? Almost, I think if you can, it's sort of like meditation. If you can kind of just quiet yourself for a minute and almost take the first thing that comes to your mind, it's like your soul knows, you know, it's not like it's a hard issue. It, it's what's, what's tough about it is that we come up with so many excuses and so many things to kind of press it down, you know? And uh, and one of the things when we talk about resistance with a capital R is the voice in our head. When let's say we, we ask ourselves, well, what's our calling? What should we be doing? And we come up immediately, we come up with a thing, you know? I wanna start a, a nonprofit thing that's going to help uh, children, you know, of uh, alcoholic parents, something like that, right? Immediately, the first thought that will come to us is you, you're going to do that? Who, who do you think you are? You know, you're too old, you're too young, you're too fat, you're too thin, you're too stupid, you don't have any money, you have too much money, whatever, right? So it's, I think it's not too hard to find that calling. It's the problem is to believe in it and to, and to, to find the self-belief that you are worthy of doing that. And, and for me, I think just the fact of having that calling proves that you have self-belief to do it you know you wouldn't get that message from the cosmic radio station unless you were ready to act on it so do you have any um advice on on how to i guess do you say like find is it finding your bliss like is that your maybe call? something i mean raleigh do you feel like you you've got like too many ideas you have too many <laughs> is that the sensation i've got therapy for me pads opening in front of me yeah, no, I think um, I I use, I think that there's, and I actually wanted to ask you this question in terms of, I think that there's a certain 
timing to it and and patience that's required and it's hard because patients can be I think that's true yeah yeah in action right to, to be patient for something can be a form of resistance or um my the the way that I've justified it to myself is my my default mode is execution, going forward uh-huh. and kind of doing, uh-huh. trying to trying to harness that and being more patient with something that uh, presents itself to me. That that's been I I recently sold a business, so I'm in uh-huh. kind of, a, of a transitional a transitional phase. Um, and finding the next but the concept of resistance of obviously it it's the gap between going from your lower self to your higher self um and um but it's it's it i think we go through periods like i know carly for instance goes through periods where you have you have maternal duties you have the things that are essential and then you have the things that are urgent and you know being a business you know it's it's how how you go through that transition as you like in your book as telemon goes from being a warrior archetype to getting pulled into the father archetype uh-huh. and the way that resistance presents itself changes over time and what what used to be resistance no longer right it, it may be it it may be the muse pulling you to something higher and better. Uh-huh. Um, and how and, do you know? How do you know the difference between the muse and resistance? Do you agree with that? Am I? Is that? Do you think that's accurate? Uh, as I understand, if I understand what you're saying, yeah. Um, but um, you know, we're, we're we always feel we're under so much pressure to to produce something now, right? And to have. A decision now like if somebody says you know what are you what are you doing with your life we always like to wish oh i wish i just had the answer right now i'm doing this 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 but like i think patience is a real virtue you know it's a long life you guys are really young i look at you i wish i was your age you know and but you're going to go through many transformations you know and i you know if action is your default mode really i would act into whatever it is that you whatever you think that you're going to do because a lot of times we can't see 10 miles ahead of ourselves, but we can see a hundred yards ahead and we'll get to the 10 miles, a hundred yards at a time. Yeah. Um, but I would also, I wish I had told this to myself years ago is be a little more easier on myself than I am, you know, and not beat myself up all the time. Because when I look back, I mean, it took me forever to find, you know, my sort of my calling. I was, like 55 years old when I published my first book after so a lot of dead ends along the way and a lot of but not even dead ends but like intermediate steps you know that sort of got you part of the way there like I'm sure being a lawyer you will maybe you're not practicing right now but I'm sure that you're using that mindset you know or you will it'll come in handy at some point you know and and uh and you look back and say, ah, it was meant to be that I did, you know, it's, it always looks clear from yeah. the end result. I, I'd say my, where, where I'm at is it's probably pretty similar to where you're at, where you've just finished the book, you've just birthed something. And while you're in the throes of it, you know, very clearly what the, what the project is, where resistance is going to come from. 
and what is going to keep you from the end goal, right? And I know you've talked before about the most dangerous place for a soldier to be is after a big battle where they kind of lull off and, yeah. and you have to stay kind of ready. It's, I'd say I'm at a phase where, you know, probably where after you finish a big book and a big project like that, and you feel like you're going through the motions and going through the motions is important to stay sharp, but the path hasn't really presented itself clearly yet in terms of, I imagine you go through a process. Yeah. Of, yeah I'll do this book or, uh, but it doesn't, you know, nothing is really clicking properly like it, like it did while you're in the midst of, uh, of a birthing process where, you know, what you need to do and what the objective is. Yeah, I think sometimes it is okay to go through the motions. You know, you're sort of waiting for right. something to kind of click in, you know, and it will eventually, I'm sure. I mean, I'm my theory with books for whatever this is worth is I never want there to be downtime between books. I, you know, I never want to fall into that gap that Seth Godin talks about the dip, right. you know, so I'm, but I know if you just sold a business, you're not necessarily, you know, what the next one is yet. You know, it's just, that's just the way it is. Right. Um, whereas it's easier for, for a writer because you or a songwriter or something like that. Cause you can sort of say, well, you know, let me see if I can get the next one started while I'm still finishing up the one that I'm doing now. But that gap, it, you know, it's a real thing. And it's, it's a real test of our, of our patience. You know, it's, uh, you know, there's always, I believe, an underground river flowing, you know, in our at the soul level. And sometimes it is underground. It's not a bubbling up to the surface. And we're just sort of, I'm kind of always kind of listening for it, you know, and trying to feel what it is and just trying to make myself keep believing in it. Even if I can't really hear that gurgling sound sometimes, I know that it's down there somewhere and, it, and it's going to come up. I have a question about um, Turning Pro. So when I read Turning Pro, it really, something clicked for me. It was almost like I had to have, this is going to sound really dramatic, but I almost had to like have a ceremony with myself where I like said goodbye to my amateur self and I accepted the pro version of myself. And um, just as a little and bit of backstory. Did you, did you actually have a ceremony, Carly? Actually did like in a meditative state. I was like, it was, I, I, I was like, this seems weird, but it, it's, it's, you know, there's this part of me that just never feels like I'm enough or I'm not as good of a coach or I'm not a good mom or I'm not this or I'm not that or whatever. And there's so much resistance by staying in the amateur mindset, right? Uh -huh. of, of like, I don't know. There's like protection when you tell yourself, like, I'm a professional, I'm a, pro I'm a professional. And so I kept telling myself, like, I'm a professional now, I'm a professional now, I'm a professional now. And I honestly had to have this like mental, I would like put on some uh, music that's, what are those binaural beats, you know? Uh -huh. um, I, I turned on some music and I, I imagined my older self I'm like going to get emotional. It was super emotional for me. And like, I would, I would like gave her a hug and she was like, you're here. You finally did it. Like you, you pushed past all of the resistance, if you will. And you became this professional version and like, I'm going to go now. And like, now you take over. And I was like, we both like hugged in a weird way. <laughs> Again, it sounds a little strange, but I, I feel like I emerged a different person because I made this like decision 
but I had to make a decision. I was expecting this pro version of myself to just appear, right? But I, I realized I had to make this decision within myself of I am now the professional and I am acting accordingly instead of waiting to the waiting for the professional me to emerge. Does that make sense? So it makes absolute sense. You know, I think in our society, the modern society, we don't believe in rituals and stuff like that. And it's really a loss. You yeah. know, like if you were, if we were in a Native American tribe and mm -hmm. you were going to change from the moment of, of let's see, being a, you know, a, to the moment when you get married, right? The moment you get married, there's a big ceremony, right? The whole tribe gathers around, it's a whole big deal. You change clothes, you change, you know, and you, as you walk out the, you know, the door, you've got to sign papers and all, you become a different person, right? Well, an old person dies, the old version of you dies and the new version is born. And so I think you were absolutely smart to do that, to have a, a ceremony. You know, another thing I, I always compare the moment of turning pro to sort of like the moment when an alcoholic decides I have a drinking problem, I can't, you know, and I'm going to go to AA. And that's a moment of really hitting bottom, right? And I think when you do go to AA, they have all kinds of little rituals that they introduce you to and you really are... Uh, dropping an old identity. I'm losing my old identity as a drunk and I'm, gonna, and I'm having a new identity as a recovering alcoholic. I'm a whole new person. And so I, I think you did absolutely the, a great thing. And that probably made it stick, Carla, you know, that little ritual. You know, I'll, I'll give you another little story of, I had a friend that I used to work with a woman and at, she was maybe 35 or something and she took up golf and yeah. You know, she was lousy like everybody else, you know, at the, at the start. And then I, I, I didn't see her for a little while. And I saw her again, maybe a couple of months later. And she was, it was at the golf course. And she was totally decked out like a touring pro. She had the great shoes. She had a wonderful set of clubs. She had the, her hair was done. And she said to me, you know what? She said, in my mind, I just turned pro. I said, I know I'm a lousy golfer. But I, I don't want to be a, an amateur, you know, dilettante at this. And so, you know, I'm in my mind, I'm going to be, I'm a pro golfer, even if I am, I still stink. And then what she did was she changed the clothes. You know, she had this, it really was, um, she probably burned her old dumb clothes, you know, and got this new outfit. And it sort of, you know, stamped in her brain, I'm a new person. And sure enough, you know, like a year later, she was a good player. Oh my gosh. I love that story. So, oh, and my question with it is, do you feel like if you make the decision, then you kind of manifest that physical reality of yourself? Does that make sense? Like, yeah, if you, definitely. Okay. Yeah. Cause I think, I, mean, uh, I don't think we're ever ready to turn pro. I think I was waiting to feel like validation from somewhere else than within myself that like I was enough and that I could actually execute and that I could sit with the resistance necessary to grow and to evolve. And, um, but I realized that it's, it's kind of a decision and you act accordingly after the decision to turn pro, which I thought was really interesting. I was waiting for it. Right. Yeah. And it is a decision that you have to kind of keep making each day, right? Cause each day you want to backslide and you want to fall off of it. And you have to you have to do it. I'm trying to. I was thinking, did you ever, did you see that series, The Last Dance, that was yeah. about Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls? Yeah. You know, 
there was one moment where it was Roy Williams who had been an assistant coach at, at UNC when, when Michael was there at, you know, North Carolina. And, uh, he was talking about a conversation that he had with Michael Jordan and Michael Jordan had said to him, I want to be the best player that's ever played here at North Carolina. And, uh, and Roy Williams said something about, well, you're going to have to really work hard. And he said, uh, Michael Jordan said, well, I work about as hard as everybody else does. And Roy Williams started laughing and he said, I thought you just said you wanted to be the best that ever was. And Michael Jordan sort of had a moment and you could kind of see, at least in the story. And he said, to Roy Williams, you wait and see, nobody's ever going to work as hard as I'm going to work, you know, and that for him was sort of a turning pro moment for him, you know, you could kind of, you know, he, he let go of an old identity of, hey, I'm going to work about as hard as everybody else. And he got a new identity. So I'm going to work harder than anybody's ever worked at this. Yeah. And so that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I keep thinking about is your character in this book, is it Telemann or Telemann? How do you pronounce Telemann. it? Telemann. Telemann. Okay, good. So Telemann is this warrior, right? And he, or a mercenary. And um, one part in the book, one of the characters is like, you've made so much money. Usually people that have had as much success as you um, have a farm and a wife. And like, why are you still, why are you still trying, like fighting for money, right? Like Telemann's whole thing is like, he only fights for money. And I'm like, I'm really curious about that. Like, is that something that you're going to answer in the next books? So and maybe you can't tell me. But I'm like, <laughs> why? What is his deal? Like, why does he? Why doesn't he just stop and like reap the rewards? Or is it something like the evolution needs to continue for you know for him? Or like, what what's his deal? Because him his continuous pursuit of being a warrior it seems like his life is very dark, right? Yes. In okay. fact, I'll, I'll try to explain that. I don't know if it's really on our subject here, but I think <laughs> that, okay. that he, Telemann is a character who has appeared in a couple of other books. Of right, mine. right. And he's a mercenary. And part of his thing is that he only fights for money. But that's not to say that he wants to get rich. In his mind, it's a sort of a, almost a philosophical trick of, the, of his mind where he says, when he says, I fight for money, what he really means is I'm not going to fight for a flag. I'm not going to fight for a cause. I'm not going to fight for a, some commander that I met because I've done that before and it's always fake. It's always vanity. It's always nothing. So he sort of says, I'm, I'm just in this I'm a warrior. I'm in it for the fight alone. I'm in it for the, you know, for the, uh, for the execution alone. And the money to me is just a sort of a way, it's a way of, I can distance myself from um, my commander's ambition or from the flag where they say, oh, we're going to defeat the enemy, you know, or whatever. Um, so in other words, he's, he's, in my mind, he's very highly evolved in terms of being a warrior. But the problem for him is he's stuck in that role and he's trying to get away beyond that. In a way, he's kind of like a samurai warrior in the old samurai movies, you know, where, where they're just a solitary warrior that sort of wanders the, the wasteland, you know, like the road warrior in, you know, Mel Gibson, where they're really just sort of in it for the, for the whole, for the journey and not 
for any ambition, not with any dream that they're going to come to some great reality or they're going to find, you know, uh, the perfect world or they're going to become rich or famous or anything like that. Does that make any sense? Yeah. But anyway, he's evolving and so it comes. Well, Go ahead. What were you going to say? Built this little child that you bring in, he, you, you realize that his ambition to be a warrior or whatever his drive is, is uh, the only thing that can trumpet is love. And like not having love in your life is, is maybe the ultimate, um, I don't know, this, I don't know. It's like love, what's a life without love, I guess, is well, what. That's, that's exactly what I intended. Right. And that's when it comes down to the whole Paul's letter to the Corinthians about, you know, though I have faith that can move mountains and have not charity, then I, I am nothing, you know? So that's without giving away too much of the story. Yeah, it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> it's like the life lesson, even for moms, right? Because we do, it, it's interesting because we have so much love <laughs> that I feel like there's this yeah. warrior inside of us that is kind of yearning to be expressed. And that's kind ah. of what I, what I kept thinking when I was reading the book is like, I have love and yet I still need a little bit of a warrior moment in my life just to maybe be like well-rounded or um, like I love going to the gym and like outworking everybody. <laughs> like uh -huh. I did like 200 burpees just to say that I did because then uh -huh. I look at my life differently. As a mom, I'm like, I wanna teach my kids um, I don't know if strife, I don't know necessarily if it's strife, like Telemann's whole thing is like, he worships the God of goddess of strife, but I want to show my kids like that they are warriors because there is something so amazing and passionate about having your own back and being able to create and embark down this, like this, um, physical journey, even of strength. Right. And like that to me is what's missing in becoming a mom and only focusing on like love, 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 love. is like, there's this inner warrior that sometimes longs to be expressed. And I think too, it may that you, you, like you say, you want to, you want to model that for your children, right? Cause it's like a lot of times these helicopter moms and, you know, moms that are, you know, so sheltering and so taking care of their kids are not really preparing their kids for that warrior world. They're going to have to face when, you know, when they're out in it. So it's great. I think it's even part of being a mom to model the warrior uh, side of yourself for your kids. Would you agree with that? Sure. Yeah. I think that there's, it makes it so much more blissful and so much more joyful. Do you think that there's something inside of us, even maybe like your calling is just a mom and that's amazing, but do you think that all of us have something, maybe a seed inside of us that we that can be expressed to help humanity even outside? Like, do we all have a calling? Outside? I think so. That's, that's yeah. my belief. Absolutely. I mean, you know, when I, when I think of the individuals I know, if I just sort of go down, oh, well, I know, you know, Clint, I know Heidi, I know so-and-so, I know so-and-so. Um, every one of them, when I think about it, every one of them has got a calling. You know, it might be quite different one from the other, but every one of them has got something. You know, uh, and sometimes it's kind of strange, the stuff that people come up with, but it's something unique to them that is a gift. So I'm definitely, I definitely believe we've all got it one thing, one way or another. So uh, any advice to moms who are feeling resistance in the form of mom guilt? 
<laughs> uh, I haven't been a mom, I don't, but still. That's a, I'll leave that to you, Carly. I don't know if I'm gonna... <laughs> you have to help me. I have so much mom Well, I think it's I, I think it's interesting to go over to to think about how you know you how family duty family duty conflicts with potentially a calling, whether that's a mom who's raising children, which you talk about in Warrior Ethos, how women are essential. You know, that's the first two chapters of the Warrior Ethos, yeah. women in Sparta that are driving everything. But men too, how, how you as a man deal with kind of familial responsibilities and versus kind of your calling and your artistic calling versus your familiar responsibilities, me as a father and what I want to accomplish out in the world and a woman as a mother and what she wants to accomplish out in the world and express artistically and how those, how you've managed that, how have you managed that in your own life? Um, well, there's, well, I don't have kids, by the way. I'm just a, I'm just a, a non-dad, but uh, so it's been a little oh, easy, oh, easier oh. for me. You but, can uh, adopt one of our twins, but it's just that's a good move. <laughs> but I think there's no substitute for compartmentalization. Yeah. You know, in a way, men have it kind of easy in our society right. because they go, go to the office, right? They leave in the morning, they kiss their wife goodbye, they go to the office, and then they're in this other building and they do their thing, and then they come home while the wife has done all of the mothering and everything. But I, I do think that, um, you know, even. People will sometimes say, well, I want to write a book or I want to make a movie or I want to do whatever it is, but I just don't have time. Right? I can't find the time to do it or I want to be fit or whatever it is, but you can find an hour. We can find two hours. It's just a matter of prioritizing it and doing it. You know, there's that famous uh, James Patterson, the writer. I don't know if you know him, but he used to be, I think he was the head of a big ad agency. I think he was head of J. Walter Thompson in New York. And he used to come in at five o'clock in the morning to the office. He closed his door. And for two hours, he'd write his novels, whatever it is. And then he'd, you know, open the door and go to work. And he just had had that sign. So I think with familial things, you know, you can do the same thing. I think, uh, you know, there's a time of the day to, to kind of work on your calling, whatever it is, and a time of the day to be with the family and to do your, you do your duty as a mom or a dad. 24 hours in a day, right? It's a long time. Yeah. It's like I've never felt resistance so much as when I became a mom and a parent and then trying to to navigate setting goals for yourself and then also wanting to do the best job that you can as a mom right and um with resistance i i it's so funny to me when people say like i can't find the time to to work out or move my body or whatever and i'm like are are really i'm like can we <laughs> can we look can you move your body for 15 minutes you know and and resistance i think um, really comes in because it's an exhausting, it's an exhausting job, but you can kind of ignite something amazing inside of yourself. Maybe the warrior version of you, or, um, when you, when you choose to do it anyway, right? Yes. That's, that's, that's a great way of looking at it, when you choose to do it anyway, yeah. you know, anyway, when there's all these other things that are calling on your, you know, you have a million excuses, a million reasons. And a lot of times they're valid reasons. Like if you're a mom, you got to take care of your kids. That's a valid thing, you know, yeah. but to still do your warrior thing anyway, that's great. 
Okay, last question, unless you have a question. Um, do you feel like your path what's ha happened exactly as it was supposed to happen with, you know, I, I remember just reading your book about um, your shadow career, right? As like you had a few things that you were yeah. doing uh -huh. as forms of resistance or maybe your true calling which, as a writer. But do you think that the that you maybe driving trucks or whatever was essential for your path or do you think that you could have if you chose to um you could have started your journey earlier ah that's a great question carly and i i do think that things for me unspooled the way they had to and mm. the way they should have that i wasn't really ready to mm. do what i needed to do and i had to have certain experiences you know even though they may have been painful while they were going on that when I look back on them, I'm really glad I did them. I'm really glad I went through that. Yeah. yeah. And it, yeah, I, I always wondered that. I'm like, do you ever have regret or are you just like your own cheerleader and you're like, you can do it. You can just sit down at your computer every day and you just write or like, do you? I don't think I could have at an earlier age. I just couldn't have done it. I just wasn't ready. Yeah, yeah. And my last question is, what was there something that, from a timing wise where we're at culturally that you felt like um that brought a man at arms out what was kind of the impetus for this message of you know the warrior archetype this character that's kind of been through all of your novels and um this message of how that warrior archetype interacts with love and bringing love into it uh, that's another great question. I, I think uh, it sort of came in, the, in its own right time. I wasn't really ready to do it before. I mean, even in, in my own life, like just walking in this room right now, you didn't see her as my girlfriend, Diana. Yeah. She's just walking in a, behind here. And that is sort of love in my life that I was sort of ready to experience or it, it, it am experiencing on a, in, a, um, in reality. And so it sort of produced itself in a way, I think, in this book. That's great. Mm, that's awesome. Well, it was uh, so amazing to talk to you. I, I honestly think about your books nonstop. I right? give I give the War of Art out uh, at least a couple times a month. So this ah. is the starting textbook that I give new entrepreneurs. Yeah, just like there's going to be. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for having me, you guys. It's great. It's great to have met you. And yes. let's let's keep in touch. You know, you never know what will what will eventuate in the future. Yeah. Yes, I'm I'm officially uh, going to be the woman of Sparta because I just read that in the Warrior Ethos, and I'm like that mom is legit, right? <laughs> so I'm going to adopt that that version of turning pro for myself. So thanks for thanks for all of your time and all of your inspiration, and we love your books. And yeah, we on Amazon we order a ton and we give them out. We're like. Read them. <laughs> Well, thanks for thanks for inviting me. It was great meeting you guys. I hope this was helpful to, uh, to your, your peeps. All right. See you again. Bye. Bye.